Well, we have a special treat today. It is uh, it's not very often that uh, we have guest speakers, uh, and today is one of those days. Uh, as a pastor, it is sometimes uh, difficult to find the same type of life-giving words that, that you all receive when you gather here, because in, in, I'm pouring into you what God has laid on my heart. And so it's nice to know that I have a better half who can pastor me. My wife is uh, one of the wisest people I know. God has gifted her in many, many special ways, and uh, he has laid a message on her heart to share with us today for Mother's Day. And so I'm excited that uh, now you all can be pastored by one of my pastors. So uh, without further ado, let me introduce to you Pastor Tony. I'm going to be a little more high maintenance than he usually is on a Sunday, and I'm going to have a special stool just for my water. So there we go. My throat has been bothering me, as it usually is most of the year, allergies, I think. I don't know. But good morning, and happy Mother's Day. I don't think I said that yet from up here, but happy Mother's Day. I love mother. Wait, let me preface first why, how he got me up here. I just want to talk about that for a second. So we've been meeting in the auditorium now for five years. Church just celebrated our fifth birthday. And our first Sunday here was May 4th, 2014. And he wanted me to speak that Mother's Day. So the week after the fourth that year, five years ago. And my answer was, no way. Mm-mm, not doing it. And most people can talk in front of people more easily than they can sing, but for me, it's reverse. So I can sing. I don't want to talk as much as I want to sing, but I know that God is asking me to do this, and he's been asking me to do this. He actually put it on my heart several years ago that I would speak. And so although it's, like, exciting and I'm full of joy and, like, expectancy, what are you going to do with me, God? Yes, whatever it is, it's terrifying. And it's especially terrifying in front of your family and your friends. And so I just pray that you guys will be blessed today, that the word that I deliver is truly of the Lord and not of me, and that you just walk out of here encouraged and strengthened today. But happy Mother's Day. I love Mother's Day. It's not because I'm a mom and my kids get me cute jewelry. I'm going to show it off just so London feels like, you know, she got her, her praise for how well she did. Um, but because moms are amazing, moms do it all. And dads, you are awesome too, but your day isn't a month from now. So today we're going to talk about moms because they are the bomb. They do everything. Sometimes moms not only work in the home and take care of the kids and clean and cook and you know you know what you do there's just the list is too long sometimes moms are even the breadwinner and they work full-time jobs on top of all of that you know and so moms have this like uncanny ability to just do a million things at once women are made that way god made us to be detail oriented and multitaskers and what he also did he instilled in this instilled in us this ability to just serve and serve without regret. We just give up naturally. We just want to love our families. We want our kids to have everything they want. We want our husband to be happy. We want our home to be clean. And we don't care what we give up. We want to love those around us. And so I just want to tell you a little story about expressing this, you know, giving up thing. The other day, I was riding around in my minivan, because that's what moms do, um, with my boys. I only had my boys. 
And we had been to probably three places before this point. And so we're getting ready to go to VG's, and one of my sons, whom I won't name because there are two, so this works, he says, why do we have to go to VG's? I don't want to go to VG's. And I said, well, I have to go to VG's because I forgot to get the ingredients I need at Walmart for your sister because she wants to make this dessert tonight. And then I said, we have to go to the post office, too, which, as you know, in Clio is in walking distance from VG's, so it's not that far. But he goes, why do we have to go to the post office? And I said, well, because we have to mail off your Grammy's gift for Mother's Day so it's not late and we don't look bad. He's like, oh, I just wish we could go home. And at that moment, I thought, you know what? I do, too. I'm really hungry, and I'm really tired from running around. We're trying to eat healthy, and so I can't just grab fast food right now, which is really hard for me because I love McDonald's fries. And so he's like, why can't we do this? And I stopped, and I said, you know, buddy, everything I've been doing today has not been for me. It's been for other people. And, you know, I don't necessarily want to be in the car right now either, but we got to get these things done. To which he replied, oh, oh, okay. So, such is the life of mom. You know, that's how it goes. And, you know, before we had the conversation, I wasn't thinking about how I was serving, how my entire day up till that point, and probably the rest of that day, if it's like any other day, was service for my family or for my friends or for other people. But that's what moms do. We just... We just sacrifice. So today I want to open the word with you about a particularly tired mom. She was pretty worn out. Her story doesn't start out so great. But through the reading, we'll be able to see how God works in her life. She'll see one of her greatest desires come to pass. And she'll receive joy and strength in the outcome of that. And so it's such an encouraging story today. I can't wait to share it with you. And that is the story of Hannah. If you're not familiar with Hannah... Um, She was somewhat of an underdog, which is probably why I like her so much. It makes her very relatable. I've known what it is to be the underdog, to kind of be bullied and made fun of for things. And so she struggled with feeling inadequate. She struggled with feeling like she wasn't worthy. And I think as women especially, but all of us could probably relate to that on some level, struggling with our worth. And so from the outside, however, her life looked good. She looked like she had it all. She had a godly husband. He loved her. He honored her. He respected her. She had everything on the outside, but on the inside, she was broken. And that's because Hannah was barren. Hannah was struggling with infertility. She could not get pregnant. And I want to tell you this, too. I didn't want to talk about Hannah today. The Lord told me what I'm going to talk about, and then he kept drawing me to Hannah, and I kept telling him, no, God, that doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. And he kept drawing me back to Hannah and back to Hannah. And you're going to see, oh, he just rocked my, my world this week with how exactly Hannah fits this concept of joy and surrender and the joy of the Lord. So before we get into that, um, can we pray? Lord, we just worship your name, God. We thank you for music and the ability to sing your praises, God. We thank you that it's a sweet sound to your ear. Lord, and as we read your word, and as I speak the message that you've given me, God, I ask that I would decrease so that you can increase in this room, so that your Holy Spirit can have his way, God, and we can walk out changed, because that's what an encounter with the Lord does. It changes us, Lord. And so we just worship you, God. We pray that you would be honored in our time. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. So we're going to begin our reading in 1 Samuel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. We're going to do a lot of reading today, and I worked really hard on these names. So you guys need to appreciate it just a little bit. (laughs) Okay, 1 Samuel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And as my husband usually says, uh, the verses will be on the YouVersion Bible app, but also on the screen, and I'll be using the NLT version. Chapter 1. There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf, in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented a sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Peninnah and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would only give her one choice portion, because the Lord had given her no children. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her, because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Okay, Elkanah, you really need a lesson in women here, but we'll get to that in a second. So here we can see several things, right? Every year, this family does the same thing. They get on their donkeys or their camels. I don't know what they're riding, but they go to a Shiloh to offer sacrifices to the Lord. So we can see Elkanah is a faithful man. He keeps his vows to the Lord. He's godly. And he has two wives of whom he loves both of them. But one has like 50 kids and the other one has zero. And so even if for us in our day, in our society, we long as women, you know, to have that, desire fulfilled, to mother, to nurture, to have children. It was even more so in biblical days because everyone looked at the woman as that being her worth, if she could have children. That was her entire purpose, was to reproduce. So Hannah not only had this inward desire, this aching to have a baby, but society was also telling her she wasn't measuring up. And at the same time, year after year, she had this other woman in her life that was just beating her while she's down. And so Peninnah's this textbook mean girl over here. She's like the popular girl. She's like, look at me with all my kids and my cute robe, and you have nothing. And so she's just, she's putting her down all the time, and Hannah's just exhausted. And so here we see, and this is our first point, that Hannah is brokenhearted, right? She's struggling to find her worth. It says she doesn't even eat. And her husband, although he's sweet and he has good intentions, He's trying to fix the situation. And we know she doesn't want him to fix it. She just wants him to listen, guys. So if you didn't know that today, just listen. Just listen. Give her a hug. Tell her she's beautiful. It works every time. So have you ever felt like Hannah? Have you felt like Hannah? Have you ever struggled to find that joy and contentment in your current situation? Have you had a struggle such as infertility? The heartbreaking recognition that you're going to have to struggle to have this baby and everything you want is to have this child. I know that I've felt like Hannah. 
I can relate. Um, when London, that's our third, our third child, when she was born, I struggled with postpartum depression. And although I didn't know it at first that that's what it was, I literally just thought I was losing my mind. Um, during this time, I could barely think, let alone pray or worship or even have like a conversation. I was so down and disconnected and I couldn't even see the light. It's like I didn't even know it was daytime out. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. And I was a mess. I was losing weight. And I was already thin enough. And I was losing weight, not being able to rest. And just, I felt worthless. I felt unworthy. Like I have this newborn baby and I can't even take care of her. And even now, when I look back to the beginning of London's life, I struggle with that guilt because I don't remember a lot about her first year. But I'm so thankful God brought me out of that. He taught me so much about me. He humbled me through that. And he was my strength, even though I couldn't see it at the time. But I can relate to Hannah. And I'm sure many of you can relate to Hannah. So year after year, it's the same thing for her. She's tired of it. So Hannah decides to do something about it. So let's continue our reading. Let's see what Hannah does. In verse 9, we'll continue through verse 18. Once, after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very dis discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. So here we see Hannah just taking all of that, like, inward storm. And I know you, you're relating with me right now. We've, had, we've all been there before. She's just falling apart on the inside, and she just decides, okay, today is going to be different. I'm not just going to go to God and ask him to give me a son, which is what I've been doing for years. I've been begging God for a son. Today, I'm going to go and surrender all of my desires to the Lord. I'm going to pour myself out completely to him. I'm going to look like I'm drunk, apparently. She wasn't just weeping and crying. She looked drunk. Whatever she was doing, I don't know. They said that her lips were moving, but there was no sign. But I'm sure there was more physical action taking place. She's like, I'm going to surrender myself completely to the Lord today. I'm going to give him this offering. I don't want it for me anymore. I'm tired of worrying about what I want. I just want to surrender it to God. And that's what she does. She takes all of that junk and just drops it at the foot of Jesus. And here we see our point, our second point. 
Hannah surrenders her desire and receives the joy of the Lord before her request even comes to pass. Did you see that in verse 18? She gets up from praying and is no longer sad and goes and begins to eat. And I love, I love that this verse is in here because I have seen this happen a million times. When I'm praying for someone or when, even when I take my, my own desires to the Lord, but we go through this process. Maybe someone has to forgive someone or, or there's a hurt that God heals. And even before anything has changed in their situation, God hasn't performed any miracles yet. Except when they get up from that place, their joy is restored in the Lord. Joy comes in surrender. Joy comes when we surrender our desires to him. He will restore our joy. He's done that for me countless times. Not when I come and I want to say, God, here it is, but let me have it back. Then I walk around with fear and I'm anxious and I'm you know, feeling negative thoughts. It's only when I come and surrender and say, Lord, you have it, it's yours. That's when I can walk away with restored joy. So Hannah does this. She had a taste and see experience with the Lord of Heaven's armies. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Hannah knew where to take refuge. The other day, I need to tell you guys this because this is where God said, this is what you're going to speak. And it just hit me. And I wasn't, even, I wasn't expecting it, of course, but Joey and I had just settled down to pray on the couch. And it was nighttime. And I was tired, as I normally am at night. And I really, you know, I knew I should pray, but it felt like work. And I was thinking, okay, well, I should, so I'm going to. Yes, this is good. And I, I just settled into the couch, and I just opened my hands, and the Spirit of God just hit me. He just, it like, brushed over my head. I, I didn't feel it physically, but I felt it in the Spirit, and it was the most refreshing thing I had felt in a long time. And I just sat, not even having said a word yet to God, just sitting there receiving the joy of his presence. And it just washed over me. And in that moment, I felt rejuvenated. I felt energized. And I just sat there and smiled because I thought, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I come to this place sooner? Why didn't I get quiet with the Lord and just let him wash over me and restore me and rejuvenate my soul? There's so many verses in the word of God that, ref that uh, refer to the joy of his presence. So many. We're not going to read them all today. But what I do want to read is Psalm 84.2. It says, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. So my question for you today in this moment is, do we long to be refreshed in the presence of God? Do we long with longing, faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord? Because I know that when we need him most, Jesus wants to show up and refresh us. And as moms, you know, we're tired a lot. I know everyone's tired in this room, but moms, we especially need this so that we have the strength to care for our children and keep serving our families like we do because the Lord wants to nurture us. Have you ever thought about the nurturing qualities of our God? 
We think of mothers as natural nurturers. But our God, in whose image we're made, is also a natural nurturing God. Psalm 56, 8 says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Our God isn't far away. He's there with us when we're crying and he's catching each tear in his bottle and he's writing down, oh, Tony cried about spilling milk today. Tony was sad because her daughter broke her finger. Um, Tony was crying for nothing because that happens sometimes. Tony cries for nothing. He probably has like a long list of that. But God is recording that. You know, we as moms, we, we may save our first lock of our kid's hair when they get their hair cut or we save their teeth. If you're weird like me, I don't know if everyone saves teeth. It's kind of weird. But I save teeth. I don't know whose are whose. I just have a drawer full of teeth. It's really, like, creepy. You don't (laughs) And I won't tell you where the drawer is anyway. Okay, so we do this because we love our kids, and everything about them matters to us. Everything about them. And God walks around catching our tears, That's how near he is to our hearts, to our sorrows. And a couple weeks ago, I referenced uh, Luke 12, 7, where Jesus says, don't you know that the very hairs of your head are all numbered? And as I thought about that, as I was preparing this message, well, that number changes quite a bit. You know, they say we lose between 100 and 125 hairs a day. So our God didn't just count our heads when we were born, you know, the hairs and go through it all and be like, oh, he's good. No, Every day, he knows the number of hairs on your head in this very moment. Why? Why does he take time to record that? It's because he's a nurturing, loving God who just wants us to sit with him. As moms, don't our kids just need us sometimes? Don't they just need to curl up in our laps and just be restored in their security and their identity and just know they're loved? That's the same thing that we need from our Heavenly Father. And that's exactly what he wants to give us. And that's what he gave Hannah when she came to him and just poured her heart out. He restored her joy before anything else even changed in her life. Let's go ahead and continue reading. We're going to see what happened after Hannah at least had some joy. Let's see what God does in her life. Verse 19. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. The next year, Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, Wait until the boy is weaned, then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed, stay here for now and may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? She asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. 
I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. So here we see Hannah making good on her vow, her commitment to the Lord. And we even see that Elkanah gained a few brownie points because he told her, whatever you think is best. So he's back on the, the good list because he's, no, he's a good guy. He's always trying hard. But so in the beginning, I spoke about, you know, moms give up, moms sacrifice. It's just natural for us to do that. But here we see the ultimate sacrifice. I think Hannah's sacrifice pretty much takes the cake because she got to have this baby, raise him, nurse him, hold him, kiss him, and love him for about anywhere from two to five years. That was what weaned referred to in biblical days. And now, all this time, through all these years, she knows what she's going to have to do. And I would think that in this story, we would read about Hannah lamenting and her heartbreaking. And this is where we would see she looked like she's drunk, right? But we don't see that. Hannah's not lamenting. She's not crushed, although I think this was terribly difficult for her. Of course, she loved her son. Hannah had strength from the Lord, and that's our third point. The Lord strengthens Hannah in her sacrifice. He gave her everything she needed up until that point, and he gave her the strength even to hand her son over to somebody else to be raised. And so I think, as moms, you know, it just takes sacrifice to be a mom or, or it takes sacrifice in a lot of things. But being a mom and surrendering your children, your dreams and your desires to the Lord, that takes a lot more sacrifice. Because I could hold on to all my plans. I could hold on to all my desires and say, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. But if I didn't surrender to God, I would not know the joy that comes in my surrender and the strength that he gives me to do it. Let me give you an example. One, I never wanted to be a pastor's wife. I obviously surrendered that. I really thought pastor's wives, you know, were quiet and they never got upset. And they were like always like meek and humble. And I want to be those things, but I'm not quiet. I'm loud and I have a temper, and I just I didn't see myself as a pastor's wife. God, not, I'm not pastor's wife material. I knew God wanted me in ministry. I knew that from the time I was 12. I knew I was going into ministry, but not a pastor's wife. God, I'm not going there. Well, here I am. I didn't want to have a lot of kids. Well, that changed because now I do, and it's the best thing ever. Wouldn't trade it for the world. I didn't want to stay at home. I wanted to work. I wanted a career, and there's nothing against moms with a career. But for me, God was asking me to stay home. And I fought with him, I fought with him, and I fought with him. And when I finally did surrender, it was begrudgingly, and I was unhappy for a while. I also didn't want to homeschool, but I knew I've known for years that I was supposed to. And I kept telling God, no. No, no. And he is so patient because he worked it out perfectly for me this year. There was not a better year to start homeschooling all of our kids. And so we are finishing up our first year homeschooling. So I know what it's like to surrender my desires for the Lord's and exchange what I want for what he's asking me to do. And let me tell you this. 
I'll stand as a testament that the story of Hannah is true because I have joy on the hardest days, even if it's not showing on my face or in my words because I know I'm exactly where God wants me to be right now. And he strengthens me. Each day it's too hard. Each day I'm too tired. Each day I failed. He strengthens me for the next day. And so the Lord strengthens us in our sacrifice. And so the same is true for Hannah. She commits her desires to the Lord, and he strengthens her. And lastly, as we finish our reading about Hannah, we're going to see, and this is our fourth point, that God blesses Hannah beyond measure for her sacrifice. And our God is so good at doing this. Um, let's continue. First Samuel, we're now in chapter 2, verse 1. Then Hannah prayed, oh, and we're only going to read through verse 6. I'm sorry. There is more to her prayer, but it's really long, and so we're just going to do the first six verses. Then Hannah prayed, my heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. The bow of the mighty is now broken, and those who stumbled are now strong. Those who were well-fed are now starving, and those who were starving are now full. The childless woman now has seven children, and the woman with many wastes away. The Lord gives both life and death. He brings some down to the grave, but he raises others up. And I just loved, I did not know that her prayer was in here before I started studying Hannah again. But I love this powerful prayer from this once broken woman who's witnessed the life, the love of God in her life, and now she's singing his praises. And if we only had verse 1, that would have been enough for this entire message. Hannah prayed, verse 1, My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me, what? Strong. Before I even knew I should speak about Hannah, God said, I want you to speak about the joy of the Lord is our strength, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I thought, okay, I can do that. But what has Hannah got to do with any of this? And over and over in this story, she's even saying, I rejoice in the Lord. He's given me his joy, the joy of his presence, the fulfillment of that request, and now he's strengthened me. He's made me strong to walk in continued sacrifice for the glory and honor of the name of the Lord. So her life has completely changed. But we also see something else happening in this little portion of her prayer. In verse 3, she starts saying, stop acting so proud and haughty. Well, surely she's not talking to God, right? She was just praising his name. So I'm going to infer that the only other person in Hannah's life she could be referring to would be Peninnah, Elkanah's other wife. That through the years, it doesn't look like things have gone so well for Peninnah, right? The one who had many children waste away. The bow of the mighty is now broken. Uh, he brings, the Lord brings both life and death. He brings some down to the grave but raises others up. So at this point, we can see Hannah may have, I mean, I'm sorry, not Hannah, Peninnah may have even died. But one thing is true. While God was busy raising up the humble, he was also tearing down the kingdom of the prideful, the one who thought they were strong, the one who had it all. 
God was raising up the meek and the humble. He was exalting Hannah. She says it here. He raises others up. And he tears the prideful down. I love this idea of God raising us up. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 3.3. David is saying of the Lord, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory and the one who holds my head high. So not only had the Lord restored Hannah's strength physically, it says she went on to have seven children, not just the one she'd asked for. He went above and beyond. He strengthened her physically. He's restoring her dignity. He's restoring her worth, rerooting her identity in who he is, not in who she thought she was. He's done all these things, and at the same time, Peninnah has become cursed. And so as we close today, I think we've all faced something like Hannah. We have felt isolated. We've felt lost. We've not known where to turn. And so maybe that's you here today. Maybe you're in a season like that right now. You know, maybe you're struggling with this heavy burden and this heavy weight that you can't carry. So maybe you need to surrender that to the Lord today. Because joy comes in the surrender. God wants to restore your joy. He wants to take whatever it is that you're carrying today. He wants to take that situation and speak joy and life into that situation before anything is even changed in your situation. Or maybe you've already surrendered it. You know what? I've done that a lot. I surrender something to the Lord, and then I just get impatient, and I get, like, I want God to change it now, and I want God to do this, and I want... I need strength in the surrender. Maybe you need the Lord to strengthen you in your surrender today. Maybe you've given him that burden. You've given him that heavy weight. But today you need him to strengthen you to walk in continued sacrifice. And maybe you're just tired today. Maybe you're just longing for an encounter with the Spirit of God. Maybe you feel like God is far away. Maybe you feel like he's distant. But I'm going to tell you today, the Lord wants to rejuvenate your soul. He wants to give you a refreshing. He's a good father. He wants to meet with you here today. On this Mother's Day, a day for celebration, we can have joy and we can have hope no matter what. And I want to leave you with a verse that was recorded on another day for celebration, and that's from Nehemiah 8.10. They're rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to read the last section. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to increase our strength today, like you did in Hannah. We ask you to increase our strength, God, so that we can sacrifice and surrender our dreams to you, God, knowing you're a good father who wants to bless us even more than we can ask or think. And that, God, in that sacrifice, Lord, we can rejoice always, like your word says, in every circumstance, in every trial, because we'll know who's fighting for us and who it is that's on our side. And, God, today we thank you for the blessing of mothers We thank you for motherhood. 
and what a blessing it is, Lord. And we ask, God, that you would just bless our moms, God. Bless our day as we go to celebrate our moms or just to celebrate with family today, God, that your joy would be stirred up in our soul today from this story of Hannah, God, that you would strengthen our spirits, Lord, to continue to serve you, to honor you, and to sacrifice whatever you're asking us to do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.